There we go. Well, let's pray and we'll jump into the word this morning. Father, we thank you again so much for your precious son, Jesus, that you gave us because you loved us so deeply. We thank you that he lives strong on the inside of us by the spirit of God. Lord, we thank you. And we put a demand on the anointing. We put a demand on him that he lives on the inside of us. He is the teacher. He is strong in us. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you continue to reveal and make Jesus real to us. So, Father, we thank you that they not just my words going forth, but Lord, you speak and through me, you are speaking out of your word, not only to perform your word, but to reveal Jesus in a beautiful, awesome, powerful, loving, kind way that you always know how to do. And we thank you for that in advance in Jesus name. Amen. All right. So what we are discussing just a few things a couple weeks ago, we've been on this little journey, so to speak, as understanding how to be good spirits. And taking the time to really understand that we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live a physical body. And, you know, one of the things that we realized as well is that what hinders God from operating in our lives or on this earth is that when his children, believers, the church, don't have his mindsets or aren't taking his ways and intentionally now living by those ways. Because we see that in the book of Isaiah that God says that my thoughts are higher than your thoughts and my ways are higher than your ways. So a lot of times you can check out and go, well, God's just going to do what he wants to do. No, he has chosen to speak and to act in this earth through the church. So who's the church? We are, you know, in the message Bible, it says that the, the world or the church is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. So the church is front and center in God's mind. It's front and center of how he wants to operate. So what we need, Jesus is called the head of the body. And so what we are so hungry and desirous to do is to make sure that our, us, our, the body is lining up with the head so that the head can fully operate and function the way he wants to on this earth. And how does he do that? By you and I allowing his word now, not just to be a book that we go to once in a while, but it actually becomes his thoughts now become our thoughts. The ways of God become our ways. And so we intentionally go after that. Yes, to learn to understand how he does things, but then to do it as well. You know, James 1.25 says that the, it's not just the hearers of the word. We need to be doers of what the word says so that we get blessed in all of our deeds. So what we want is not just to be a hearing church. We need to be a hearing and doing. Say this together. Hear, do. Hear, do. Who, what are you? I'm a hearer and I'm a doer. That's what we do. I kind of do little songs with my kids all the time. So, kids, what are we doing? We are hearers and we're doers. What are we? We're hearers and we're doers. We hear and then we do. We do that regularly when it comes to even instruction about how to clean something in our house. Your room is messy? Okay, what do we need to do? Listen. We're going to clean our room. And then we're going to do it. Because a lot of times we send them up, they hear it, and they'll sit around, and all of a sudden we'll hear, we'll hear giggles and stomping and wrestling, and we go upstairs, oh, you heard us, but you didn't do it yet, so you're here even longer. <laughs> <clears throat> so it's all about the hearing side and the doing side. Together are both crucial. Now, last week, I want you to turn again with me to Luke chapter 15, but Jesus told this story about two sons, and the younger son, remember he took... 
the father's wealth or the inheritance that he had given him. And he had spent everything that he had on reckless living. Remember that? Ungodly lifestyle. And then it says a famine hit the land. And so he forced himself onto another, you know, a citizen of that country. And who finally sent him out and hired him to feed the pigs and the slop and all that mess. And while he is in the lowest of low, the word of God tells us that a thought came to him. He had this, wait a minute, hold on a sec. My father's servants, not sons, servants have more than enough food regularly. And here I am starving. Here I am, an heir of everything the father has. An heir, I, I, I was a son in all of that. Thinking, man, now the servants got it all. Surely I can go back. I'm going to go back to my father. And this is where we pick up verse 18. I'm going to go back to his house. And I'm going to say to him, father, I was wrong. Anybody ever to say that before? Yeah, yeah. I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I'll never be worthy to be called your son. Please, father, just treat me like one of your employees. Why is he thinking that way? Because the employees go without lack. They have everything that they'll need. So he's like, if I can just get in at the bottom of the barrel on this, as an employee in my father's house, I'm going to be good. Right? So verse 20. So the son went, uh, set off for home, and from a long distance away, his father saw him coming. Anybody ever act this out with their children before? No. Okay, do we need to practice that today? So we're all the fathers out there. And all of a sudden, the father, he's looking. And he's seeing. I see him. And what does he do? Runs towards him. Picks him up. Sees Mr. Willie. Yes, sir. And he hugs and kisses him all over. Scoops him up. That looks good for Mac here, actually. So the father raced out to meet him. Swept him up into his arms. Hugged him dearly. And kissed him over and over with this tender love. I'm not going to kiss Mr. Willie today. That'll save that for a little. What? He did not know what his son was there for. Right? And he didn't even, and he did it anyway. Wasn't, I need more money, dad. He just came up to him and ran and grabbed him. Tender love. Kissed him over and over. Verse 20 next. 21. Then the son said to the father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me be. And I love these four words. The father interrupted. Come on, say that with me. The father interrupted. Why? The father does not listen to religious speech. He's not interested in this. The father interrupted and he said, son, you're home now. Come on, I love these words. Come on, can we say that together? Son, you are home now. You're here now. So what did the father do? Verse 22, turning to the employees or the servants, the father said, quick, bring me the best robe, my very own robe, and I will place it on his shoulders. Bring me the ring, the seal of sonship, and I'm going to put it on his finger and bring out the best shoes you can find for my son. Let's prepare a feast and let's celebrate. Man, could you imagine the son's response to all of this? He's thinking, okay, I'm going to just come in as an employee if my dad will let me, I have no idea. So he shows up and now he's getting a robe. And listen, what we kind of just mentioned here is that last, the, the son came and he's not smelling the greatest. 
I talk about my kids come running up to me with morning breath and it's like, let's brush first and then we'll hug. But hey, that father took him up in all of his mess. Anybody ever been there before? Well, that's where Jesus met you. In the lowest of lows when you thought, man, my life is worthless. Would he take me? Absolutely he would. That's what our father does best. He scoops you up, kisses you all over, and all of a sudden you're going from this, what just happened? I got a robe on my finger. I got the seal of sonship and sandals on my feet because sons don't go bare feet. They wear shoes. Let's prepare a great feast and we're going to celebrate. For this beloved son of mine was once dead, but now he's alive again. Once he was lost, but now he is found. And everyone is enjoying a great feast. So as we said, imagine hearing these words, son, you're home now. Now Jesus paid a tremendous price for you and I to hear these words, you're home now. Now I want you just to see this picture here for a moment. I, I love this, this visual this is our God. And you and I are, we're the sheep. Anybody ever seen some of those videos where a farmer is just, you know, yanking on a sheep who got stuck in a, in some kind of crevice or a, a crack somewhere and he pulls them out and the sheep is sweet and he runs off and in the, like five seconds later, jumps right back into the same hole. Farmer's like, oh man. Well, we have a God who runs after his children. He runs after this generation. He runs after this planet. So you have to, you and I have to get a picture of who our God is like. People will like to portray, religion especially likes to portray a God who's like this. Realizing Jesus came and totally, totally threw off the Jewish theology. Of just this distant God, this judge, this... Oh, and don't get me wrong, he is a judge. We're all going to face, thank God, not the, the judgment seat or the, the great white throne judgment. We'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ, receive our rewards. Listen, all sin has already been judged on Jesus. So now you and I have a Savior who runs. I love this one. That, well, that's a good picture too, but the one previous to that. So now as we said, Jesus paid a tremendous price to get you back to hear these words, son, you're home now. Now, Philippians 3.20, again, I want you just to keep saying this over and over. We got to get this in our, in our hearts. In the Message Bible, it says, there is far more for us. It says, we're citizens of high heaven. And we're waiting the arrival of the Savior, the Master Jesus Christ, who will transform our earthly bodies into glorious bodies just like his own. He'll make us beautiful and whole with the same powerful skill by which he is putting everything as it should be. Now look at me in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. In the Passion Bible, it says it like this. So you are not foreigners or guests. Say, I'm not a foreigner. I'm not a guest. So we are eliminating a guest mindset when it comes to heaven, when it comes to the promises of God. You are not a guest. I am not a guest to this word. This is my home. This is where I belong. It says, but rather you are children of the city of the holy ones with all. Come on, can we say all properly? All. all. Two all, two ales is not enough. All, all. Ephesians 1, 3, 3 says that you have been blessed with every spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Everything heaven has belongs to you. Well, that seems like a lot. Listen, if he gave you Jesus, he'd give you anything. 
He gave you the prized possession of heaven. Jesus himself came to you and I. So when you read this, just to go, well, that, that should be because I, I got Jesus. I've received Jesus, and Jesus is the prized possession. He's the darling of heaven. With all the rights of the family members of the household of God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, you've received all of this, and it's great that we should celebrate our deliverance and our homecoming. Right? Should we not? This should be something that we do daily. You know, if we, or Colossians chapter 1, again, just looking at some of these verses, this is a celebratory thing you can do daily. Man, I wake up in the morning and go, thank you, Lord, I'm not lost. I'm so grateful that I've been found and I'm a child of the Most High God. That's who I am. I'm not a guest. That's who I am. <laughs> my older brother, Jesus is my older brother. I'm pretty cool. Verse Colossians 1, it says, Your hearts can soar with joyful gratitude when you think. Here's the key word. You got to think about it. When you think of how God made you worthy. He made you worthy. Can you say it with me? He made me worthy. He made me worthy. I didn't make myself worthy. I couldn't. He made me worthy to receive the glorious inheritance freely given to us by living in the light. Verse 13, he has, who has, he has, who has, come on y'all, who has, Jesus did something. He has rescued me completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated me into the kingdom realm of his beloved son. So then goes on verse 14. I don't know if you guys have it on there. Verse 14 says it like this. For in the Son, all our sins are canceled, and we have the release of redemption through his very blood. Now we see again what we just read that we're constantly to remember. And this is why the psalmist even wrote Psalm 103. I love Psalm 103. I think it's my favorite psalm. But he says over and over, bless and affectionately praise the Lord, O my soul. So notice, who is he? the psalmist talking to? Is he talking to you? No, he's talking to his own soul. Man, anybody ever talked to themselves before? You have to constantly talk to yourself. And make sure, well, it's good stuff. This is one thing that you can constantly say. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord, O my soul. What is your soul? It's your mind, your will, your emotions. Did you know that you're supposed to talk to your emotions? You're supposed to talk to your soul. You're supposed to talk to your will. Hold on, hold on. So why are you downcast? Why are you feeling down? Why are you depressed at this moment? So what do you do instead? Soul, let's bless the Lord. And this is where you can dance until your attitude changes. I don't really feel like worshiping. Hey, it's not about your feelings. You can actually do some movement to change your feelings in. Anybody need to dance a little bit this morning? Just, okay. And he says, and all that is deep within me, I'm going to bless his holy name. Then verse two, he says, bless and affectionately praise the Lord. Oh, my emotions. This is what you're going to do, emotions. Oh, I didn't get enough sleep last night. Oh, this is what we're going to do. Soul, get up. Soul, get happy. Why? I'm not going to forget any of his benefits. Man, aren't you thankful that he's got benefits? <laughs> what are his benefits? First, we see, verse 3, who forgives? <laughs> oh. 
Listen, y'all, this morning, I'm forgiven. Anybody else forgiven? There is no stain of sin on your life. You've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Guess what he did with that slate of sin? He wiped it completely clean. All of a sudden, we got to pull up the records. There is no record. The Father looks at you and goes, there, you're free. There's nothing on you. What? This is why the, even you see that David says, blessed is the man whose slate has been completely clean. Hey, there's nothing the enemy has against me. I am forever forgiven of all my sins, but it doesn't stop there. Then he goes on to say, who heals all your diseases? Some translations actually say inside and out. And that includes your soul. If there's things messed up up there, guess what? He is the healer of all disease. (laughs) Verse 4, what else did he do? He redeemed my life from the pit, or he could say from hell. I'm redeemed. Come on, just let the devil know this morning. I'm redeemed. Come on, shout at church. I'm redeemed. What does that mean? I've been bought back. No longer destination hell. I have been purchased by blood. I'm no hell is not my destination. Oh, man. So every time the devil brings it up, you should just say, hey, remember where you're going. Sucks to be you, dude. What else does he do? He crowns me lavishly. What is lavishly? It's the way I just kissed Mr. Willie earlier. Just it's so much. It's too much. It can't even be numbered. He crowned me with loving kindness and tender mercy. Then verse five it says, "Who satisfies my years with good things." So here's the good news about getting older. You're satisfied. All you get is more experience with the goodness of God. Where are the seniors at? Come on, seniors. He satisfies your years with good things. So you don't have to go around, oh man, getting older sucks. This hurts, that hurts. This doesn't work, that don't work. I need help and everything. I need diapers. No, 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 no. Stop saying that. <laughs> what am I saying? In my older years, I'm putting on my own underwear. Thank you very much. No, put no diaper on me. I'm satisfied with good years. So if good years means nobody's putting a diaper on you, then so be it. Put on my own tidy whities Thank you very much. So that my youth is renewed soaring like eagle again. Quant age doesn't mean things stop working and that I become, well, I just can't really do anything anymore. No, you're in your prime. You got the wisdom of God. You got all these years of experience, all these things of encountering the goodness of God that you need to testify to the generation. This world needs your testimony. God gets no glory from an unspoken testimony. So what do we got to do? Speak it. Keep talking. I'm old, but look how good I am. Man, look what I can do. I can walk up and down stairs. I can do, do, look at this. I'm golden. Solid years ahead of you. All right. Now, we should celebrate the deliverance from the kingdom of darkness. This should be what we do regularly. I've been taken out of the tyrannic rule. And you can just rejoice because the devil's got nothing on me. He tries to bring something up. Oh, no, 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 no. I've already been washed in the blood of Jesus. I have received him as my Lord and Savior. You're not my Lord anymore. So when I, if, hey, if I make, if I sin, it's not even between you and me. It's between me and my father. You are so out of this picture. It's not even funny how far out of this you are. So just pack up your bags and get on out. You got to talk back to this sucker. 
Let him know where he's going. So now, again, that's our celebratory, but it does not stop here. So look at these words again. Son, you're home now. Put that on the screen there for a second, guys. Let's say that together again. Son, you're home now. And son doesn't just mean male sons. It also means female. This is what you are, children of the Most High God. Son, daughter, you are home now. This is now the launching pad to being able to think how heaven thinks, to operate from heaven's perspective. This is what Jesus was talking about to the Nicodemus. You have been reborn and you are now in this house. And so we used last week an illustration using the Apostle Paul as our tour guide. And what the Lord did, the Lord gave him the revelation of what he wants us to know about the gospel of grace. Paul was chosen from before his mother's womb that, hey, he's going to deliver the message of grace to the Gentiles. Anybody thankful? Any ex-Gentiles in the house? This, yeah, yeah. Gentile just means you were part of the nations, not of the Jewish tribe, right? So nations just mean everything outside of Jews. But once you accepted Jesus Christ, you got out of the Gentilehood or out of the Jewishhood, and now you are part of the churchhood. This is where I belong. I'm the church. You are the church. So now that we're in this, the Apostle Paul wants to say, you're home now, let me show you how this home operates. Let me show you, because you're not a guest in heaven. Heaven, again, is not my destination, it's my starting point. So now he's going throughout all of the verses, all of the scriptures that God gave the Apostle Paul to write down for us. Can we think about it? 2,000 years later, this book is still impacting generation after generation. So what the Apostle Paul saw, the good news is, it wasn't limited or wasn't just for Paul to see. If it was just for Paul to see, God wouldn't have him write it down. So now that it's been written down, he prays this prayer in Ephesians chapter 1, that the eyes of your heart would be flooded with light, that you would get and have a spirit of wisdom and revelation to see what I saw. So aren't you glad that the Father's not just limiting, it to, limiting this to the apostles, to the prophets, or the fivefold ministry gifts? It's given to the church. He actually said to the church of Ephesus, to all those that have been called by God, who've accepted him as Lord and Savior, this belongs to you. So don't just think, well, you know, I'm in the house, but you know, that doesn't belong to me. That is guest mindset. Stop it. You have a God who has poured himself out so that you could know him. Stop just being okay with, well, I know about this, God. Stop that. Too high, of informa- too high of a price to get secondhand information. So what he wants you to understand is from this place now, how this home operates, how this home thinks, and how this home wants to come in and absolutely do the best thing it can in planet Earth. He wants to use you. How do I do that? Well, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, familiar verses, but I want you to see the Apostle Paul now is on tour with us, and he's got that big post, follow me, stay in line, and please don't touch anything at the moment, I'm on tour. So here we are going through this house, and what is he saying? My Christian friends. Anybody Christian friends? Do I have any Christian friends in the house today? Okay, hey, oh. God has been very kind to us. Now again, this is before you hear the plea You're going to hear why, the reason why for the plea. God has been so gracious. He has been so very kind to us that he actually said, you're home now. Out of all that we've done, out of all the mistakes that we've we've had and we've lived in, he says, God has been so kind to us. And because of that, 
I want you to serve God with your whole life. Now, the reason he wants this change to take place is because in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, I believe it is in the Message Bible, he says it like this, that you allowed the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, teach you how to live. The reason there's this plea, because God's been so good, but we have got to stop allowing the world to teach us how to live. Why? Because it doesn't know the first thing about living. What are they looking for? They're looking for happiness in all the wrong places. They're looking to satisfy some kind of need, some kind of desire in everything possible. Do you understand? We're going to, you know, trans, you know, going to transfer our gender. We're going to change over this. I'm going to surgery in this. I'm going to drink this. I'm going to put this in. I'm going to do whatever I can to find some sort of relief from the pressure and yet some kind of joy and fulfillment in life. It doesn't understand the first thing about living at all. If you want to learn how to die, get direction from the world because their God is Satan. They have no idea how to live. So if we constantly look to the world and go, well, that's what the world thinks and says, well, hey, I guess so. That's why the Apostle Paul, again, in this tour, he's saying, God has been very kind to us. So because of this, I really want you to serve him with your whole life. Meaning what? Offer your body to him like a sacrifice that continues to live. Serve him with everything that you have, and that will please him. This is the true way to worship God. Then verse 2, okay, well, how, how do I do all of this? So he says, do not become like the people who belong to this world. Why? Church, why? Why do we not become like the people out there? They don't know how to live. They have no idea. They're looking for it. They cannot find it. It's capped because Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the life giver, the father, the creator, except through me. So through Jesus is the only way that you actually find true life. So getting drunk gets old real quick. Why? Because you wake up the next morning and go, uh, 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 and do that long enough, eventually it's going to kill you. It's going to hurt your liver. So he's saying, the world, like, hey, it looks all fun. The devil tells you, it's amazing. It's so much fun. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Yeah, everybody's going to like if you do that. And he doesn't tell you the price tag at the end of all of it. He's a schemer. He's a liar. Because if you saw down the road what it looks like, you go, what? No way. I don't want that for my life. I don't want that in my finances. I don't want that with my health. I don't want that with my marriage. No, 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 no. Lord, show me. And now he says, let God completely change the way you think. So clearly, where is the great transformation going to take place? From the world's operation to now operating like God, it's going to happen in my mind. So if I'm allowing God to change the way that I think so that I live differently, then I will understand what God wants me to do. Then I will know what pleases him. And I will know what is completely right. So here's the good thing. As you give God this space to change the way you think, when you used to kind of think, man, the church people, they just, they're weird. When you spend time with God, he gradually starts changing you on the inside to start thinking like he does and you find out how fun it is. When I look back and used to think of the buddies that I used to hang out with, what we used to laugh at and have fun with, I go, oh, ugh, that's a bit, ugh, ugh. Why? Because now the Lord has revealed what true joy is and what that old stuff used to lead to. 
Do you want it? A hard no. <laughs> okay, so again, on this tour, this is what we're learning. Now, what is the first things first? What does a son need to know? Now that you're in this house, I believe the Apostle Paul, one of the first things he would say to you and I is, you need to have this understanding that you're a son now. You have a father. Say with me, I have a father. Or I could say it like this, there has been a shift in the relationship. Can you say with me, a shift in the relationship. From slave to son. Now look at this verse real quickly. Again, John 20, 17, when Jesus rose from the dead, the first thing he said, he says, Mary, don't hold on to me now, for I haven't yet ascended to my God and my father. And now notice this, he's not only my father and God, but now he's your father and God. Now I'm going, now go to my brothers and tell them what I've told you, that now I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. So what's the first thing? Hey, I'm, I'm home now. What do you need to know? I have a dad. There has been a relationship shift that has taken place. And I want to talk to you about this shift. There was a promotion in the disciples' relationship with the Lord. They went from servant to friend. Now look at this in John 15, verse 15. He says this, I'm no longer calling you servants because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. What do servants don't understand? What the master is thinking and what he's planning. No, I've named you friends because I've let you in on everything I've heard from the father. So a servant, what is a servant? A servant is just this, from, a, from the regular dictionary, is a person who performs duties for others. So servants, again, they don't know what their master is thinking and doing, meaning they don't experience intimate knowledge that is in the Father's heart. So what is it? They have an understanding of what the master does, but they don't know the why. They know he can do things, but they don't actually have working knowledge as to his motivation behind what he does. Okay? Servants are task-oriented because their greatest focus is obedience. Because how do they measure success? Again, thinking from a servant, how does a servant measure success? By hearing and then doing what they're told. Right? Okay? And this is a great example of a servant would be the older son in Luke 15. We won't forget about this guy here for a moment, but the older son, after he heard, he came in from his work, he came in, heard the big party and celebration going on, and he was angry. Come on, say it with me. Angry. He's angry and he refused to go in and celebrate his younger brother now returning. So now notice what the father did. The father came out. He left the party which to me is, wow, because I'm not leaving no party for some party pooper out there. Older brother's just a party pooper. Anybody know a good party pooper around? Don't look at anybody, just look straight ahead. 
Who, what's the party pooper doing? He's angry outside. And what has he said? Uh, the father, uh, sorry, the son said, Father, listen, verse 29. How many years have I been working like a slave? To be like a slave for you, performing every duty you've asked me as a faithful son. And I've never once disobeyed you, but you've never thrown a party for me. Can you hear his tone? Man, something stinks. And it's you, buddy. I've never disobeyed you. You never thrown a party for me because of my faithfulness. Never once have you even given me a goat. And I would like to feast on it and celebrate it with my friends like he gets to do now. Verse 30, the father going, uh, look, at this, uh, look at this son of yours. He comes back after wasting your wealth on prostitutes and reckless living. And here you are throwing a great feast to celebrate him for, for him. Verse 31, the father said, my son, you are always with me and by my side. Everything I have is yours to enjoy. What's wrong? Slave mentality. Verse 32, it's only right. This is the father speaking. It's only right. Come on, say with me. It's only right. What was the son, the older son's problem? He could not get his father. He couldn't get him. Why? He didn't think like him. He didn't have the culture of the home living on the inside of him. So we look at the younger son and go, man, that's something else. Yeah, he had, he had sin on the outside, but this older son's got problems on the inside. Just this religious spirit about him. And all of a sudden, hey, the younger brother, I've, I missed, I messed up. And now he can't even celebrate one coming home. Why? Because he doesn't know his dad. He doesn't know the culture. He's never been through Paul's tour on, hey, because your father's been so good to you, we got to change the way you think. But I work so hard for you. Why don't you give me that? Lord, I deserve this. I worked for 20 years for you in this field. I did this, 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 and this, and I never got a goat. The father's like, you, everything I have is yours. So there was, a, there was a blockage. There was a miscommunication, misunderstanding on the son's part, not getting who his father is. Now, a friend, on the other hand, what is a servant? A servant is one who simply does and performs duties for others. A friend is a person you know and have a close bond of mutual affection. So I want you to see the transfer that needs to take place from this place as I'm working for God to I'm working with God. There's a shift that has to take place in our understanding, in our relationship with the Father. Are we okay here, church, for a little bit? Okay. So the main focus of the friend is not to obey. <gasps> Even though obedience is crucial, because Jesus said in John 15, verse 14, he said this, you are my friends when you do the things that I command you, but friends are less concerned about disobeying as they are with disappointing. I don't want to hurt my father. I don't want to hurt my friend. So there's a shift that needs to take place. The disciples shift... I mean, if you really think about this, they, were ser they had this understanding of a servanthood to now a friendship mentality with the Lord. Man, can you imagine that though? From a Jewish perspective, these guys knew the law. They understood it. And Jesus worked with them for three and a half years intensely. And what did he ultimately do? Change the way they thought. 
rather than this distant God. And you better obey the commands because if you don't, God will. And the only way God for, to God to bless you is if you do, then God can bless. He had to totally eradicate that mindset and built in a brand new one of sonship into his disciples so that they could take this gospel of grace and speak it and proclaim it throughout the earth. It took a major shift. So for you and I just to kind of go, well, I know I don't really need, I know a few basic things in the Bible. Listen, these guys for three and a half years, every single day of their life had to go, Jesus, teach me again. Teach me again. Show me. How did he do that? How, how, what kind of man is this? He wasn't just a man. He wasn't just a servant of God. He was a son of God. So everything Jesus did, he did it as a son So as long as we have this servant or this slave distant mentality, you cannot perform the things that he's called you to do. You need to have this sonship understanding. Okay. Again, as I said, the disciples shift from commandments to his presence, from assignments to relationship, and from what I do for him to how will my decisions affect him. Now I got just four more things here. Friendship. Or the knowing uh, that I have a father brings a major paradigm shift in my heart. Number one is this. I have four things. Number one is this. As a friend, what we know changes. What I know changes. Meaning, I have now been given access to the father's heart, which is the greatest resource of information to function successfully in this life. The children of Israel, it says in Psalm 103, if you finish the reading of that, it says that the, um, the children of Israel knew the acts of God. Moses knew his ways. So can I encourage you? This is a great opportunity for the transfer to take place. Why not make 2023 a great year to move from this slavehood mentality into this friendship with Almighty God? Look at this in John chapter 8, verse 31, 32. These words, you know these scriptures, but let it come to you from a friend. He's talking to you and I from this shift. He's saying to the Jews that believed on him, when you continue to embrace all that I teach, you are proving that you are my true followers. Not the occasional glance. I have to continue to embrace. And that word embrace is really to cling on to every word that he says. Verse 32. He says, for if you embrace the truth, what does truth do? It releases true freedom into your life. So I just, I need more freedom. No, no, no. You need to move into this place of friendship with almighty God. Truth sets free, not just a prayer thrown up to heaven once in a while. Truth, come on, say with me, truth, 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 truth sets people free. So how does this shift take place? I'm going to his word, not out of duty, out of, oh, I better read my Bible, because if I don't read my Bible, I'm not being a really good Christian. Stop all that religious trash. I'm going, Lord, I'm going to spend some time with you. I'm going to give you what I got. Lord, I'm asking you, show me truth. Who gets more out of it? The guy who reads 14, you know, 14 passages in one sitting or the guy who just studied and laid on one for the last 15 minutes. It's not just about reading more, reading more, reading more, reading more. So I get, you know, 400 scriptures overweight. It's now going, I got this one. I'm going to be an imitator of the most high God. And I'm putting it on the inside of me. And I'm letting the spirit of God reveal it on the inside of me. Reveal who I am in him. That one verse of scripture could do 
tons of work on the inside from the casual reader who just looks, I got to get my feeling for the day. I, I better read, I better read, I better read, because that's what Christians do. Click, box is checked. <gasps> I can continue on with my day, thank God. Rather, just dwell on this verse. Let it permeate you. Get on the inside. This is what it's capable of doing, is his word sets people free. And people are looking for pills on that other world. People are looking for stuff that works. This works. Anybody ever been set free from the Lord? How did it come? Oh, I just shola basha. I just hope something's walking. No, it's allowing the word of God. I'm embracing what he said. He's my friend and my friend is talking to me through his word. He's giving me instruction. I receive that word and that word is bringing freedom into my life. Second thing that it releases. As a friend... What we experience changes now. The, um, the friend now, his heartbeat becomes my heartbeat and my desires shift towards him. The presence of God now becomes my greatest treasure and personal encounters with the Lord become stepping stones in my life. They become these rocks where I go, man, I remember when the Lord did this in my life. Remember when the Lord did this. They become a big part of who I am. So what I experience shifts as I, as I, this, again, we're moving from this slave mentality to this sonship or this friendship with God and what's taking place, what's changing my experiencing with him changes. Look at this in Exodus chapter 33, because sometimes I used to read these verses. How do you get, how do you get to this point? He says, if uh, this is Moses talking right before they go into the promised land, the Lord is showing them all of this. And what does Moses say? Listen, this guy knew the desert. He's been in the desert for a very long time. And God, he's just so fed up with the people because they didn't want him. They just wanted what God would give them. So God said, well, here, here you go. There, there it is. You see it over there? Moses, that's the land. That's, that's all yours. But I'm not going to go with you. I'll send an angel with you. Look at Moses' response to what the father's offering. If you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How do you get there? This isn't some religious thing he quoted. This was a heart cry from a man who walked with God so close that this shift from, oh God, oh God, oh God, to I know him. I actually know this creator who, who created me. I get to know him. There was a shift that took place. How do you say this? Because there was a shift that took place in Moses. Verse 16, he says, how will anyone know that you look favorably on me on me and on your people, if you don't go with us. Now notice what he says, your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. It's like, Lord, I'm not going anywhere. What took place? Am I going to just say this and this is what my heart is? How do you get to this heart? There's a shift that takes place in my relationship. <laughs> and it all begins in my mind. Jesus says, I no longer call you servants. Because servants don't know what the master is doing. I'm calling you friends. I'm giving you intimate insight into what I think. I'm giving you intimate insight into what I know and understand. Hello, church. That is the greatest invitation on planet earth that you could ever hear. Only as, as we see, there's only a 12, 13, maybe 14 men that actually heard from the lips of Jesus, come and follow me. 12 responded. Another just left because he wanted the money. I mean, if you stop and think about it, only 12. But now to this day, you have the Spirit of God living on the inside of us saying, come with me. 
on this journey, on this adventure. Let me take you there. But how many times we got, oh, Lord, I got, I would, but man, I got bills. I got jobs. I got family. I got stuff. That's just, I got to take care of. And the Lord just goes, okay, okay. What a patient father. But I don't know about you, but I'm ready for the shift to take place in my own life. I want to move from this slavehood mentality to a friend. I got to be his friend. Oh, man. Okay, number three. Hurry up, Joel. As friends, our function in life changes. As we said earlier, instead of working for him, we are now working with him. Instead of working for his favor, we work from it. Look at this, 1 Corinthians 3, 9, the very first few words. It says, we are co-workers with God. Come on, think about that. I'm a co-worker. Who's your co-worker? Almighty God. Who's working with you in the ministry? Who's working with you in your job? Who's working with you in your household? Like my wife and I, we're co-workers together in raising our children. It's not just her job. It's not just my job. We co-do it. Well, think about it. This, how much higher is this? I have God as my co-worker. What? So when I face life, when there's things that need to take place, we don't just, yeah, we're going to do this. We talk to our team. And if in a marriage, we talk to one another. Well, hey, we're doing this, we're at this together. What works for you? What do you think about this? I'm working, on, I'm, I'm working on my communication. I told that to Jamie. I said, I'm working on communicating. And she was very impressed. So I said, hey, if I just send that once in a while to you, hey oh. But I go at life with my co-partner, my co-worker in this life. Those things that nobody else knows about, those secret struggles that you've been dealing with, guess who you got with you? You have a co-worker in God. But you got to shift from this, oh, you know, I'm just, God, just let me just be a servant. Stop that. Let him work, co-work with you in what you're facing in life. That's why he came. He gave you the Holy Spirit who is called a helper. What do you do when you need help? Help. I need help. Anybody else need help? Four of us. The rest of you. Help. How do you live in 2023? I don't know, but I got the helper on the inside of me. Oh, I don't want to raise kids in this age. It's too crazy. It's scary. No, it's not. When you have the helper who knows all things, who already has been here, done that, and is now ready to help you out. Why do we make life so difficult? I don't get it. I'm talking to me now on that. And lastly, number four, as friends, we live out of our true born again identity. Amen. Not just, oh, this is, oh, once in a while, oh yeah, I got to remember, this is who I am now. No, it not, doesn't just become a Sunday thing. This is who I am, and everywhere I go, I am knowledgeable of this is who I am in Christ Jesus. A tough thing comes my way. Ah, yeah, but Jesus Christ has been made unto me wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification. I have the mind of God. I know exactly what to do in this situation. Do you really? Well, at the moment, it's not there, but yes, I have the wisdom. Yeah. I walk into a grocery store, all of a sudden, there's this big panic. Oh, yeah, but the Lord is the strength and the protector of my life. Can you see the shift? The slave going, oh God, somebody call God. Just do, do something. Something's got to, oh, and you go into speed tongues looking for some sort of answer in that when it's just going, I'm going to start living out of the identity of who I am. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. 
I have been given the right standing with Almighty God. Father, what do we do about this situation right here? And now he's relaying it. Not in this, oh dear God, there's this massive panic and oh. Chill. Say with me, chill. I think heaven would like to say that to earth. Chill. Just everybody calm down. It's one of those. Acts 17, 28, it says, it is through him that we live and, (laughs) come on y'all, this is your answer right here. It is through him. Through who? Him. Who's him? It's through Jesus that Joel, that I, put your name in this, that Joel lives and that Joel functions. Oh, I just can't function in the morning. So you need your decaf to function. Or not decaf, but the other thing, the opposite, undecaf. You need the undecaf to function properly. Listen, it's nothing wrong. Have it, drink that. Do whatever you got to do with that. That's, that's, not, that's no condemnation in any of that stuff. That's what I'm saying. But I don't function. Oh, I just need my eight hours of sleep. Otherwise, I'm just a grumpy guy in the morning. That's a problem. Because what if the Lord's like, hey, I want to talk to you at one o'clock in the morning. Lord, I need my full eight. I'm unreachable. My phone is silenced. Therefore, I am silenced between the hours of 1030 and 7. Don't, just don't talk to me till then. Well, the Lord's like, well, I got a lot of stuff to download into you. After 7 would be great. (laughs) No, I function in this life through my union and my identity in him. Oh, Joel, you must be really smart. It's not, I'm not. But in him, I'm very wise. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So this doesn't just become a Sunday confession. It also becomes my Monday reality. All of a sudden, I've been handed with a major task. And, oh, I got this. Oh, ah. Rather than going, oh, dear God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh man, we just had a few things, even like we have a, a rental thing going on and somebody that was coming said, actually, well, we're not quite sure if we want that anymore and gone. The first instinct is to go, oh dear God, what are we going to do? We have that time's running short. We got time. We got, we got things. We got to something lined up. We got to decide because we're leaving in like two weeks. We got to do something. We got to do something. But instead going, we will have the right people at the right time. Lord, I trust you with all of that. See, what we're going back to is what we talked about a while ago is my dependency upon God. Grace teaches me to rely on who he says that I am. Amen. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. Jesus, we thank you for transitioning and transferring the relationship from a slave to a son and daughter of the Most High God. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you live on the inside of us And part of your role in us is to make God's fatherhood real in us. So right now, all throughout this week, Lord, we just thank you in advance. And we just have a great expectation of you, Holy Spirit, revealing God as our intimate, loving, caring father on the inside of us. We thank you for that. We open ourselves real big to receive and to experience his fatherhood in our lives in every area. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Thank you.